How are you all this afternoon? You're good? Praise the Lord. And I do hope that as we come before God this afternoon, we're, we're ready. You know, like, like soldiers, we're ready to, you know, to, to follow whatever commands He has for us. Not just to be learners who would receive you know, whatever lesson, but to be soldiers who would be ready to carry out the commands that God has for us in His Word. And this afternoon, we will be focusing on, on this guy, the man who left everything. Okay. Last Sunday, we were able to study about a rich young ruler, and he was a man who almost, almost got into heaven. He almost followed Christ. We should say that he was almost you know, the, the perfect apostle or perfect disciple. He could have been. That one, he was the almost guy. You know, he had this encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, people knew of him as someone who was rich, young, and he had authority as well. You know, he said that he was able to fulfill, you know, the laws. But then, when the Lord Jesus Christ said to him, you know, regarding his question, okay, regarding his question as to how he would enter heaven. The Lord Jesus said in response, you know, go sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. Now, what did that guy do? Did he say anything? <laughs> the Bible says that he just went away. He left. He left sad. Why? Because he had so much wealth. In other words, he had treasured his wealth so much that he forgot who he was talking with. He forgot that he was talking with Jesus, the one who could give him not only you know, earthly wealth, not only the one who was the owner of his life, but the one who could promise him eternity. And you know what? He just worshipped, I should say, worshipped his wealth so much that he was not willing to give it away and not willing to follow Jesus. You know, he left Jesus and went away sad. Now this afternoon, we will study this man who left everything and followed Jesus. Now here in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 5, we'll study about the calling of Levi, or the man who was also known as Matthew. Okay? Matthew. Now here's the thing. He's also very rich. Okay? He's also very rich. If that guy, that rich young ruler was rich, okay, this guy was also rich. Now let's see what happened to him. Okay? But here's the main idea. Jesus came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. What does this mean? Are there people who were really like born righteous? No. The Bible says that no one is righteous. No one is good. Not even one. Right? So therefore, righteous here 
when Jesus said that, it's supposed to mean that people who think of themselves as righteous, self-righteous, and sinners, therefore, of course, if we know that we're all sinners, the sinners that Jesus is are saying here are sinners who are penitent, who know that apart you know, from someone who would save them, they cannot save themselves. You know, and that that penitence leads them to repentance. Okay, so Jesus came not to call the righteous, but sinners, the sinners to repentance. Now this story happened right after uh, another story that we had studied a few weeks ago about this man who was a paralytic. You know, he could not walk. And his four friends helped him. Uh, the Bible says that they were in that house in Capernaum. Uh, Jesus was there. And then these four friends brought this paralytic, this friend of theirs. And, you know, the house was so packed. They were so, it was so filled because Jesus was there that they could not enter through the door or maybe even through the window. And what did they do? <laughs> so they made a hole right on top of the roof. And then from there, they slowly you know, brought down their friend for the Lord Jesus to heal him. And indeed, he was healed. And not only that, because there was faith, you know, he was also forgiven from his sins and his friends as well. So that was the story before the calling of Levi or Matthew. Now, that's the first thing that we will be learning from this afternoon. The calling of Levi or Matthew. That's the first point. It says in verse 27, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said, to him. Now, this is something that we have to know that, you know, for them it was common to have two names. Okay? Um, there were some other uh, disciples who we know had, that had two names. Like, for example, Thomas, he was called Didymus. Bartholomew was also called Nathaniel. And Peter was also called or known as Simon. So Matthew had another name, he was also known as. Levi, but here's the amazing thing. Okay, uh, you know, with these two names and one person, the name Matthew, it means gift of God, or rather, gift of Jehovah. And Levi, it means united, joined in harmony. Now let's let's learn, uh, you know, how the Lord Jesus Christ, when He had called uh, this guy Levi, let's learn if. You know, he was really able to live out these two names of his. Okay? So, first we find here that he was a tax collector. Okay? That's what the word says. Now, in that certain place, in Capernaum, it was actually the route of, of, of a trade, okay? a trading route. So, there were a lot of people who would pass by. They would carry their goods uh, through that place. And then, of course, for them being under the Roman Empire, uh, there were, you know, tax collectors 
at different points throughout that route that would collect money from these uh, people. Now, for them, of course, uh, being a tax collector was not really a, should I say, a good job, yeah, especially if you're a, a Jew, an Israelite, and then you would be employed by the Roman Empire. Okay. Now, there were two types of tax collectors. The first one is what is called as a gabai, or siguro gabai. <laughs> okay, so gabai. Uh, the gabai are like the he, uh, no the the head uh, tax collectors. They would be the ones who would be in charge over provinces. So there would be a lot of tax collectors under them. Okay, and this was a this was a position that many many people would you know want to take. In fact, they would pay you know, the biggest per, uh, the biggest pay the person who would give the most. For that position, of course, would earn that position. And then this position would, of course, mean that if you're in charge of a certain province, and then the Roman government would just, for example, give you a quota per month of 5 million, uh, if you collect more than 5 million, it means that that would be something that you can put in your own pocket. Okay? So that's why this, this position really was something that you know, a lot of people longed for. So a gabay. And who was, that? who was an example of a gabay? A head or a chief tax collector? Zacchaeus. You know, the small guy? Yeah, the small guy had a big position. <laughs> he was a chief tax collector. <laughs> so in other words, he was so rich. But you know what? When the Lord Jesus met that guy... What did he do when he welcomed Jesus to his own house? He said, Lord, if I had stolen anything from anyone, I would be willing to pay four times the amount. Can you see that, how, how he was transformed? Yes, he had worshipped wealth. He had made money as his God. But then when he was able to encounter Jesus, you know, he left all of those things. He was so ready to leave all of the riches of the wealth. Why? Because he was so ready to follow Jesus. So a goodbye. But then Levi was a mocus, or Matthew was a mocus. Now these are uh, the tax collectors who would be, you know, there collecting directly the tax from the people before they would send the money to the goodbye. So the mokus are, are in charge. They, they would meet people. They would talk with them. They would go around and check, oh, your caravan, you have, you have blankets, uh, and you also sell all of these other things. Uh, you give me 5,000. <laughs> so there's no, you know, there's no actual rate. They just you know, see it uh, maybe this, okay. Give me, pay me this amount. And people have to, for so many times, you know, force, you know, they have to be forced to pay. Or else, they would not have any clearance. They can't continue with their, with their trade. Or maybe they can't pass through the next, uh, you know, the next checkpoint <laughs> if they don't have that clearance from uh, the tax collector. So, you can just imagine 
that you know Matthew or Levi possibly had a, a lot of enemies. There were a lot of people who hated him okay, because of that. Because for so many times he may have you know, asked for more money, way more money than what others would see as right. So he was also considered as a traitor. Now why would he be considered a traitor? Because he was not working for the Jewish government. And he was not helping the Jews as well. He was working for the Roman government. Okay? They were under the Roman government during that time. Now for him to be able to have that job, he will need to what? He would need to be like disowned. So no more need for him to you know, say that I am Matthew, the son of no more lineage, no more genealogy. Why? Seemed like he had sold his, his, you know, his being a Jew for that work. So that's why there were Jews who you know, would think of them, tax collectors, as traitors. Or maybe even to be jealous of them. Why? Because these Jews knew that they were doing evil things. And yet they seemed like they were so blessed. They had, they had all of the money that they need. What they want, they can have, they can buy because you know, they can just put it directly into their pockets. And of course, that was something that caused them to have, again, a lot of people against them, a lot of enemies. But then, when Jesus called him, he became a transformed man. He was a transformed man. Now, what does the Bible say? Follow me, Jesus said to him. Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Now, you might say, would that already be enough? He just left everything and followed him. Now, let's learn of the words there, left and follow. The word there, left, in the original, it means to leave behind. Meaning, yes, Matthew, you know, had that as part of his life wherein he was a tax collector, you know, and for so many years, he had been dishonest in his work. He had been taking from the taxes and maybe causing people to give more than what they were supposed to pay. But then the Bible says that when he left it, he left it behind. That was already his past. The moment that he got up and said and decided, I'm leaving all of these things, that was already immediately in his past. And you could just imagine huh? that table that he had, that booth that he had, there was money there. Of course, the, the list there of people who had already paid. And many other things that we can find were there. But then the Bible says he left all of those. He did not care about those things anymore. He clearly understood okay, that when the Lord Jesus said to him, follow me, you will have to follow me for your whole life. And that's why the word there, follow, it means 
a continuous following, a daily following. Matthew did not just follow the Lord Jesus Christ on that day. He followed the Lord Jesus Christ every day after that. And this is the reason why, brothers and sisters, we have to understand that today if you and I, we say that we're believers, we're Christians, then we have to make sure that we're following the Lord Jesus Christ every day of our lives. Not just on a Sunday. Not just when we're having Bible studies. Not just when the, the pastor is there or when you're singing a worship song. No. We're supposed to follow the Lord Jesus Christ every day of our lives. It's supposed to be a continuous following. No, you cannot call yourself a Christian if you say you're following Jesus today and then tomorrow you will follow the world. It should be a continuous following. And you know what? With Matthew, when he left everything and it became his past, now his goal, his aim daily was to follow the Lord Jesus. It was a continuous following. It was not just an event. Meaning whatever he did, wherever he would go, whoever he was with, he made sure that he was following the Lord Jesus Christ. How about us today? How are we doing with our following? You know, with how we follow Jesus? Do you follow Jesus when you're with your friends? Do you follow Jesus when you are alone? Do you follow Jesus? Of course, you would say, when I'm in church, I would follow Jesus. But how about in your workplace? Do you follow Jesus there? Do you continuously follow Him? There's no place for, you know, for compromise when we say that we're following Jesus. He left everything, you know, his, his past, his work. He just didn't care about those things anymore because he knew now that I'm going to follow Jesus and no one else for the rest of my life. It says here, Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. It's so amazing how, you no, know, despedida. <laughs> He'd held a despedida. You know, just before he would, you know, leave everything behind and leave his life and you know, leave that, that luxurious life that he had. He held a banquet for Jesus. But there was a purpose why he had that banquet, right? What's, what's the purpose? It says here, And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. In other words, he wanted all of his friends, you know, the people that he had met while working as a tax collector, you know, he is, his primary visitors were tax collectors. He intentionally invited them over to his house so that they would be able to know who Jesus is as well. 
And that's something that's very important. It indicates that truly, Levi was transformed. Why? Because he had so much joy that even if he would leave all of this riches behind him and leave that lifestyle of luxury, that now he's saying to these people, I'm going to follow Jesus. And I also would want you to know who he is, hoping that you would follow him. That should be, you know, how we should live our lives today. If we say that we're so joyful, that we have known Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that we should make sure that others around us would know Him as well. What are you doing today to make sure that people around you people who are dearest to you, people who are close to you, would know Jesus. If He truly is your treasure and mine, we should speak of Him to others. We should, as, as you would have, for example, if you would have you know, a precious you know, toy or you would have a, a you know, for example, a, a, a gadget or a cell phone or maybe some jewelry, you would say, pakita siguro ni mo ba sa imong friends? Or if you have a dog, a pet, amoni siya, tanawa, cute kain no. Now those things are good. No? But if Jesus truly is the one that you value the most, then you would be ready to let others know, I'm following Jesus. And I know that He's the only one that could save me. That's the reason why Levi had held this banquet for Jesus. And he invited you know, tax collectors and others that were there. We will know later on of who these others are. J.C. Ryle said, A converted man will not wish to go to heaven alone. If you know what Jesus has promised for all of us in heaven. We would be so excited, not only because we would be going there, but we would be so excited to bring others to go there with us. No room to be selfish. <laughs> if you say that heaven, you know, it's going to be a beautiful place, not just of the place, not just because the streets are gold, not because of the pearly gates, or the mansions that are there. Heaven is going to be a very beautiful place. Why? Because I'm going to be face to face with my Lord and Savior. And when I pray, I don't have to close my eyes. Why? Because I'm going to see Jesus face to face. If that's how beautiful heaven is for you and me, because we will meet Jesus, we should be excited to let others you know, come with us as well. So who are those people? Who are those people who still need to know Jesus? Bring them to the Lord Jesus. Share Jesus to them. It's really an amazing thing, no? If with regards to our one, that if we know that there is only one way for a person to go to heaven, and that is only through the Lord Jesus Christ, then we would be so excited to share Jesus to our one. 
not just share the church, not just share the things that we do here, but share Jesus. He's the only treasure. He's the only treasure that we should have. A converted man will not wish to go to heaven alone. Who in your family, who in your family needs to know of this truth? Who among your friends, your co-workers, would still need to know Jesus as Lord and Savior for them to have that assurance to go to heaven? Share Jesus to them. Share Jesus to them. Secondly, not only the calling of, of Levi that we can find here, but there's also the criticism of the Pharisees. The criticism of the Pharisees. It says here in verse 30, And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? So here's now. No, we can find who the others were that were there. The others that were mentioned. Sinners. So sinners there would include not only, of course, the tax collectors, criminals, okay, murderers, even prostitutes were there. I could just imagine. No? It could have been like a bar. Much <laughs> like bar to go to buy. No way. People, rich guys, you know, were there spending their money on whatever alcoholic drink they could find, eating, plus, you know, all of these prostitutes, all of the, all of the goons that they would have. <laughs> but you know what? Jesus was there. He was with them. And sadly, it had caused some people to grumble. The people that we would not expect to grumble. The Pharisees and their scribes, they grumbled. Okay. Now the word there, grumble, is gogus. Okay. It's a, an onomatopoetic word, meaning it's a word that they have come up because of the, of the sound you know, that they would make when doing that. Now, for example, this verb, grumble. Okay. Gogus. In other words, what they could hear was gogus, 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 gogus. <laughs> that was what they could hear from the Pharisees, from the scribes. Why would he be doing that? And you know, that was their that was the reason why they had complained. Why would he, a rabbi, a teacher, someone who would be respected, why would he dine? Why would he eat and drink with tax collectors, with sinners? Or maybe they also had the thought, why would he not eat with us? No, he, he's, he's an amazing teacher like us. If he is righteous, we're also righteous. That was what these guys were saying. Why would he choose to be with sinners and tax collectors? Of all the people here. And you know what? It, you know, if, if you would eat, if you would have a banquet with other people during that time, it really would be so intimate. Why? 
Because the, the food, <laughs> the drinks, you would literally share it with, with others. Usually they would have a big piece of bread. And then, you know, when you would want to eat, you just get from that and then you pass it on to the next person. So you eat. <laughs> so you meaning you take hold of the bread and then when you pass it on to the next person, he also takes hold of it, gets a piece and then passes it on to the next person. The same also with the, with the drinks. <laughs> they may have limited number of glasses. So fill it up with wine, drink, and then fill it up with wine and then pass it on to the next person. That's, what, that's how intimate <laughs> you know, the, these uh, banquets were. And siguro, that would not be possible today because of COVID. <laughs> this is not something that we would picture, imagine ha- happen today because of COVID. <laughs> But during that time, you know, to eat with someone shows that you would want to make friends with them, to be intimate, to be close with them. And the Pharisees did not want that, did not want Jesus to do that. Why would he be doing that? But you know what? This is what Jesus really wanted. He intentionally wanted people to know, even if they were sinners, to know that He was there for them. He had a reason why. Now here, the third point, the charge of the Lord. The charge of the Lord. Now in response to that, in response to that grumbling, that gogos, 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 (laughs) in response to that, what did Jesus say? First, he responded, okay, the charge of the Lord from analogy. Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Of course, I mean, for us today, we would say, No need for me to go to the doctor if I'm not sick, right? Although there are others who are in denial. <laughs> I know that I'm sick, but uh, maybe I should not be going to a doctor. Uh, not yet. <laughs> Later na lang. <laughs> and then usually people would come in worse na, on a worse na ilang situation. But then the Lord Jesus was trying to say to them here, you know what? These people have come to me and I have been able to spend time with them because they know, they admit that they are sick. Because of the evil, they know that they have done evil. And they have come to me knowing that I'm the only one who can give them you know, that healing, that forgiveness. So from analogy, and then also from the actual scriptures. So from that analogy, the Lord Jesus gave also this in response. Now if you would try to read Matthew chapter 9, uh, this is, you know, speaking of the, the same uh, story, the calling of, of Matthew or Levi. He included there, he said, But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Now this is a direct quote from Hosea chapter 6, wherein the Lord here, okay. God here, wants to let people know that yes, 
if you try to look at the, the Old Testament, seems like there were there would be a lot of, of, of rituals and traditions and sacrifices that need to be done, service that needs to be done. But here, God is actually saying that mercy you know, is still very important. That over over sacrifice, over service, over these traditions, these rituals that He has commanded, mercy is still needed. Now, what is mercy? What is mercy? Now, sometimes we, we use mercy and grace interchangeably, right? But then these are two different things. You have to know that. Grace is giving you and me something that we don't deserve. For example, our lives, it's something that we don't deserve. None of us here you know, have done anything or something that we can say, Lord, I deserve this life. I deserve to have breath, fresh air. I deserve, Lord, to be given good health. I deserve, Lord, to have this number of years in my life. No. None of us here can say that. Why? Because we don't deserve this life. It's all part of God's grace. And the best example of God's grace is heaven. None of us here deserves to go to heaven. Again, because of our sins. None of us deserves heaven. But because of God's grace, entrance to heaven is possible. How about mercy? What is mercy then? If... if if grace is giving us something that we don't deserve, what is mercy? Mercy is not giving us, not giving us what we deserve. Now, what do we deserve as sinners? Certainly not there. <laughs> not heaven. We deserve hell. We deserve hell. That's the truth. That's why if we remain as sinners, unforgiven sinners until the time we die, for sure we will go to hell. But Jesus, okay, that's, the, that's what makes everything different. But Jesus gave His life for us so that we would be given that chance to go and enter heaven and not immediately, <laughs> immediately suffer the consequences of, consequences of our sin in hell. That's why Jesus here you know, said to them, yes, you as self-righteous people may think that these sinners will need to immediately go to hell because of their sins. But he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. At this time, you know, man, it's very clear that man cannot do anything you know, to, to make up for, for his sins, for his salvation. But rather, it's God who has shown his mercy and that has made it possible for us you know, to enjoy not only the mercy of God, but also His grace and His love for us. So Scripture backs Him up. And what else? 
from his authority. From his authority. And what did Jesus say in response to these grumblers, these Pharisees? He said to them, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Again, what was he trying to say here? Was he trying to say that here in this earth today, in this world today, there are people who are righteous? People who are, you know, perfect in a way, having no sin? No. What Jesus was trying to say here is that people who think of themselves as self-righteous, no, I have not called them. I would not want them to come to me if they think of themselves as self-righteous. Because if they, if they think of themselves as self-righteous, they're, they're okay, they're fine, they're not sinners, then why in the first place would they think that they would need me? That's what Jesus is saying here. That's why He said, but sinners to repentance. Penitent sinners People who would humble themselves and say, Lord, I have sinned against you and I cannot save myself. I can't do anything to save myself. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ has come here for. If that's you and me today, praise God. If in your heart you know that there is nothing good that you deserve, because of your sins. And you humble yourself because of that before God. And praise God, Jesus came for you and me. But if you would say, ah, I'm okay. No need for transformation. No need for God to work in my life because, you know, I'm better, way better than all of the others. Prehatong Pharisee who was who was praying, and the other tax collector, okay? as Jesus had said, the Pharisee was praying, Father, thank you, but I'm not like that guy. But then, on the other side, the Pharisee was praying, Father, forgive me. He was beating, but now his chest, and he was saying, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned against you. Is that you? Does that describe you? Someone who says, Lord, I've sinned against you. Here's the amazing thing. Jesus came for you and me. Jesus came because He wants people to come to Him with that kind of an attitude. Acknowledging our sins. Admitting that we have sinned against Him. And that we need no one else but Him alone for the forgiveness of our sins and for the assurance of life in heaven. God offers you His grace today. That's truth. He offers you His mercy. He offers you His forgiveness. And He offers you His compassion. You don't have to say, you know, coming here to church, sometimes people, you know, have a hard time coming to church because they would say, if I go there, I would be judged. Or people would look down on me. Remember that the reason, the first place why we come to church is not because of people. 
It's not because of, of the other person. We come to church because we want to worship God and Him alone. And if we come to church, you know, sometimes we think that if you're not pleasing enough to people, ah, maybe I will not go. No, that's wrong. But if you come here, you humble yourself and say, Lord, here I am, a sinner in need of your grace. Lord, last time I asked for forgiveness and again, now, here I am again. That's humility. That's being penitent. And I'm sure that that will lead to repentance. The church is not made of people who are righteous, but rather penitent sinners of whom God has poured out His forgiveness. That's who we are as a church. No one here can say to another person, I'm better than you. I'm, I'm, I'm less of a sinner than you are. No. All of us, in the eyes of God, whether, you know, for us men, sometimes we think there's small sin and big sin. No. In the eyes of God, sin is sin. Whatever that is, whatever it is that you have done, whatever small or big sin it is, Whatever amount of money for others, now others would say five pesos. If you stolen five pesos, it's okay. Five million, that's a different story. <laughs> no. In the eyes of God, sin is sin. And that's why in the eyes of God, all of us are sinners. That's why we have to come before Him, humbly asking Him for His forgiveness. Remember that there is no one else that the Lord Jesus Christ has come here for but sinners, penitent sinners who would come and ask for His forgiveness. Now Matthew, he said, he left everything and we can see the change, the transformation in his life. He had experienced that forgiveness from God and he had experienced that new life in God through Jesus Christ. The same can also happen for you today if you have not yet believed and chosen to follow Jesus Christ. The same is also possible for you today. Believe in Jesus. Trust in Him as your Lord and Savior. Ask Him for forgiveness from your sins. Of course, you have to confess your sins unto Him. For sure, He will accept you, forgive you, and assure you of life eternal. Maybe you're also thinking of your one, the person whom you trust God to, to bring to this year. Ask God to work in his life as well. Ask God for him to come to a point where he would acknowledge his need for salvation, for a Savior. That is the Lord Jesus alone. Only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can save. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for this wonderful time that you have given to us. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you for who you are, for what you've done. 
We thank you, Lord, that you continue to bring change, continue to bring transformation, not only within each of us, but also, Lord, in our communities today. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful things that you have done and what you will be doing in the coming days. Thank you, Lord, for opportunities where we can bring and share the gospel to others, whether to our families, our friends, to our workmates, to our neighbors, to each and every person that we meet. We praise you, Lord, that all of this is possible because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Him, we can find real transformation. In Him, we can find real freedom. In Him, we can find real joy and peace. In Him, we have the assurance of eternity. We magnify you and we praise you, dear God, for everything. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.